Yo, what's going on, y'all? This is Udon Cheek, assistant track and field coach at East Carolina University. You are plugged into the Sports Objective Podcast. If you are a fan, you are plugged into the right place. And if you're really a fan, you will share that link. My heart is purple and gold. I'm a pirate down to my soul. And I don't back down, not at all. Find out when the cannons explode. Boom! You're listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective Podcast. Between now and the Pirates' scheduled season opener on August 29th against Marshall, we will take a daily trip down memory lane as we will talk to former East Carolina football players about their path to ECU, their time in the purple and gold, and what they're up to now. Now let's talk Pirate football. Welcome into the Sports Objective as we have a very special night as we're starting our 50 Pirates in 50 Days. With us right now, the usual suspects, we have Kyle Barber. What's up, man? What's going on, guys? How y'all doing? Uh, I want to call you Kyle from Gatlinburg, but I guess that won't be appropriate. Uh, You're back. I'm back home. All right, good. Bubba Rosenbaum, what's up in China Grove? I'm doing great, guys. Hope y'all are. No doubt about it. Bubba's, uh, this was a brainchild of Bubba last year to do 50 Pirates in 50 Days. It was so popular um, that one of our things we always like to do on the sports objective is to, uh, to reminisce, talk uh, history, talk about, uh, certainly have former players back on with his football, basketball, whatever the case, baseball, or any of our Olympic sports, obviously. And right now, Bubba, we got a very special guest. Yeah, like you said, Dave, last summer we had a tremendous uh, response to the 50 Pirates in 50 days, and so we figured we'd do it again um, as um, opening day and kickoff against Marshall is drawing closer all the time. And right now, let's welcome in uh, North Carolina native. He played for the Pirates from 85 to 89 for Art Baker and Bill Lewis, offensive lineman Grant Lowe. Grant, welcome in. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me, guys. I'm just so far impressed. I know you said your wife helped you, but you've got a great picture. So far, so good. Not to jinx us with the the lag that, you know, technology is great when it works. But uh, love the T-shirt, too. We the East. Uh, great shirt there for you. Uh, let's talk about your road to being becoming a pirate. Uh, I told you that I became a pirate about the same time you did as a fan. You were obviously playing uh, during that time when uh, I was a teenager. Talk about your road. How did Art Baker, uh, how did you guys... How did you guys connect? How did you guys meet? And how did you become a pirate? I played at uh, Grimsley High School. Uh, Coach Dick Knox and Jeff Smouse. Uh, I was being recruited my senior year. I actually went to the North Carolina football camp and I actually had a pretty good groin pull catching a pass. And so my senior year, I, I had uh, it kind of affected me. So I didn't get recruited by the, as big a schools as I wanted to. So I actually went to prep school in Tennessee. There's a school called TMI. Uh, and Bobby McKinnon was a coach and actually Burt Reynolds was like the sponsor. It was outside in Sweetwater, Tennessee, about 40 minutes, uh, west of Knoxville and, um, played there, got re-recruited, uh, played with, uh, Anton Davis, who played for the Tennessee and who played uh, in the pros and Willie Green, who played at Ole Miss and played uh, for the Panthers and Detroit. Um, and then I just got re-recruited. I know, I think we played, uh, I guess on Sundays, we played some JV teams from other colleges and that's the year ECU played at Auburn. And then, so we played the guys that didn't get, get, get to play in the real game. We played them on that Sunday. And then I was on the sideline and I saw, um, Mr. Van Sant, who was, uh, 
helped with some recruiting and did some stuff for the football team. And he actually was a teacher at my school and uh, they recruited me there and um, went down, took a visit in December. Stuart Ward took me out. Uh, wasn't many people there, but you know, I could have waited and took my other visits, but it, it felt like a good fit. So I went ahead and committed and started there in January of, uh, so I've been January of 86. And then, um, you know, from there, I, uh, I had a visit to South Carolina and NC State and Duke. Um, and, you know, up here in Triad, it's pretty much all ACC country. And I kind of felt a little slighted. Uh, so that's, you know, I was starting to hear more about East Carolina, starting to get on the map. And that's how I ended up there. And you mentioned being in uh, ACC country there in Greensboro. Uh, so, Growing up, were, were, you, were you a Tar Heel fan, a Wolfpack fan? Who who did you root for growing up? Uh, I've always liked Duke basketball, still do. Um, not really. Um, college, I was kind of like they didn't really have a favorite team, I'd say. But my parents took me to Duke football games because – and that's where I kind of grew up, playing on the sideline. Um, and actually one time I snuck down on the field and – Got wiped out on a sweet play when I was about eight years old. That was my first contact. Oh, so. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, what a way, to, a great way to get <laughs> uh, introduced to football, I guess, uh, yeah. was. Uh, as far as uh, the Pirates are concerned, can you talk about your experience? I know one of the coaches that I know you said you keep in contact with, and, I mean, he's a legend. He could have a statue outside of the stadium, and that's Steve Shankweiler. Um, talk about him and talk about uh, some behind the scenes as far as coaching. I know that uh, he can't I've, – I've heard him at practice before. He can't be the easiest guy to, get to play for. But then again, that's a good thing. That means he's coaching you. Yeah, I guess my freshman year was John Zernhelt was the offensive line coach. And then he left okay. there. And then uh, Shank Roller came uh, the spring before my sophomore year. You know, that was a young, young Shank Roller then. That was his first stint there. So he had a, a lot – even a lot more uh, fire and vinegar about himself. but. He was a great teacher. You know, I was average size, average strength. You know, I had pretty good feet, but, you know, the technique he taught, you know, I believed in it. Uh, once um, I started there at left tackle my sophomore year, and you know, I started the next three years, I didn't miss a game. But he was uh, probably one of the three most influential men in my life. So, Yeah, talking about, you know, Steve Shankweiler, I don't know too many other – uh, situations like his in college football here under Art Baker, retained under Bill Lewis, comes back under Steve Logan, comes back under Skip Holtz, comes back under uh, Coach Houston. I mean, it, it's 2020, and Shank is back at East Carolina again. I mean, it, who would have thought? I mean, how, how unique is that? Oh, I think it's. I mean, it's pretty much unheard of this in college sports. I mean, especially a football coach, and I actually GA'd a year with him and uh, Coach Lewis, and I just just seeing all of the many times they had to move, that kind of got me away from not being a coach, and they didn't make near as much money then as they do now. But <laughs> um, but uh, it's just that, you know, he'd go and he'd stay and he'd come back, and every time I'd, be de- I'd go down there, if he was coaching, I'd try to get up with him, and he, he we, a lot of the ex-players I still keep in touch with and try to get down there to Letterman's game. Uh, but, you know, he's definitely, you know, I think and we pushed him – for trying to be a head coach there a couple of years it just didn't work out, but uh, it was close. Yeah, we had some tremendous coaches while I was there. I mean, you talk about Mark Rick, 
was there my senior year. You had Kevin Gilbride, who was a coach in the NFL. You had um, Chuck Pagano. You had Clyde Christensen, who's was with Indy with Manning, and now he's at Tampa Bay uh, with um, Brady. So a lot of coaches, a lot of good coaches. So yeah, like like you're saying, Grant. Uh, I don't know if it's Hero Sports or the Bleacher Report or, or SB Nation. One of those sites uh, did a feature article on that 1989 staff. Um, that Coach Lewis had with the likes of Mark Rick, Steve Logan, Ron Cooper, uh, Jeff Jagosinski, Chuck Pagano, et cetera. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, I, I think we didn't realize back then, you know, for now we're like looking at us it, like, ah, oh, these, we had some pretty good coaches, <laughs> you know, and we were, we were right on the cusp, the foundation. We were still not getting the top, top guys, but we were getting some studs in and, you know, scaring some people, you know, that 87 game. You know, when we beat State, you know, they, they used the excuse to uh, – the aftermath not to play us, but really they didn't want any more of us. Talk about a great second game against NC State. Uh, yeah, I, I started what that game. Memories, what were your memories of that and just, just the whole – the game and then the aftermath? Uh, the game was I'm awesome. I remember the first play of the game, right before the we got the ball in a, a torrential downpour for like five seconds, and I think we fumbled. Um Kyle Condry was sitting on just a slippery ball and we got down and they scored. But then after that, I mean, we were running the trap option and we were just mashing them. And I remember, uh, being, uh, down on the other end and about the 10 yard line and one of our guys jumped off sides and he was all upset. I said, man, don't worry. We're, we're going to run this thing down their throat. We end up and they were running over Ray Agnew and some of those guys were on the defensive line, but they were gassed and we seemed like we were in a little better shape. And, uh, it was, we pretty much physically dominated that game. It was funny because I had two high school friends of mine. Brian Carter was a kicker, and Brian Gay, who was actually hurt, was was uh, he was hurt, but he'd have been out there. So it was pretty cool being a lot of state fans around here, and you know, you know, they knew me and I had a lot of support. So what about the aftermath? I mean, it was the the on the field incidences after the game where the pirate fans stormed the field. What are your memories of that? I uh, know because we came out. We had some kind of program before, and after we won, we came out like stuck a sword or something in the end zone. But, you know, there were some fans there. But a lot of those people even didn't go to ECU. We kind of, like I said, it was a, it happened and we had some fault, but it wasn't as much as, you know, they wanted. Like I said, they tried to get out of that deal because they knew we were, seemed like we were on the uptick. Exactly. And they had to be, of course, one of the greatest. That was one of the, that 83 game and, of course, the 87 game. But, when they, I'll never forget being a, a brand new pirate. I think that was my second season pulling for the team. And I remember that game very well and watching the, the highlights on television and they called it the riots, the Raleigh television, the riots. Yeah, I was like, yeah. where's a run? It's, that's not a riot. Are you kidding me? But I remember that very well that, that there's so many games I've seen, but I, I've never, I couldn't believe that they call that a riot still to this day. Yeah. I know they always said that game. They found more alcoholic beverage bottles than all the games combined, so maybe that has a little reason behind it. <laughs> and we would uh, come back later in 99, 12 years later, playing Miami and tear the goalpost down again. It's yeah, I was at that game. I was at that game. That was an awesome game. <laughs> Keith Stokes, I think, had a nice play there. And, um, oh, yeah. But we came back, and it was, I guess, I think it was, you just brought your ticket in. It was you setting where you yeah. want, if I remember correctly. But then, yeah. you know, once they knew, we were going to tell the, uh, they they already had planned if we won we were going to tear the, the goalpost down and they I think they end up paying for it but no worries. Well, the best part about that and people forget is we had uh 
because of that, we had given them carte blanche to tear down our guard post <laughs> in 99 because we played them in Greenville later that year in 99. So we said, yeah. they beats us, the, the goalposts are theirs. And then we beat them again and tore down our own goalposts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that was the very first I was there. Uh, that was the very first time in Greenville. I had a, a relative of mine. He was not too happy with the state fans heckling um, East Carolina. And he uh, started chanting 64 West. He told him to get on their tractor and go back on 64 West. Uh, so anyway, great game. In fact, that game was uh, the first time guys, wasn't that the first time we had over 50,000 with the, uh, those, uh, they were like PGA type bleachers back well, then. Yeah, and then on bleachers. Uh, yes. I mean, that yeah. was, was that the first year of the upper deck too? Uh, the upper deck, uh, second year. Yep. 98. Yeah. Second year. Temporary end zone bleachers. Right, right. Well, my, my dad, he passed away, but he used to stand uh, in the end zone, and I could always hear him hollering during the game, so it was kind of cool. <laughs> what about some of your teammates? Could you, when um, We always hear stories about Greenville in the 80s and 70s and 80s, and, of course, my my time was in the 90s. Um, right. But what about uh, your – you're talking about former players you keep up with. Can you talk about some of them and some of your great memories? This great when you're on a sports team. Uh, team sport, especially when you get to know people and coaches and everything and the bond that you create with them. Yeah, like uh, moved into Belk Dorm, no AC. Yeah. Uh, a few years until finally Scott Dorm we moved in there. I think my last couple of years we had AC. Um, you know, I get there and I'm a 250-pound young guy and I meet, you know, some of the old guys, uh, Robert Alexander who passed, uh, Greg Thomas, Kenny Bourgeois, Curtis Strzok. Uh, I wrote some names down, so I went from getting by Paul Hoggard. And they were the old guys. They were all seniors, and um, they kind of took us in, took us under their wing. Uh, me, Billy Michelle, Stuart Southall, Todd Drewjack, Kyle Condry, Wade Perry. And they were kind of told us, uh, taught us what we needed to do, and uh, we learned a lot from them. You were talking um, about, yeah, that those dorms were really, really, of course, now they have, they've been remodeled and air conditioning, yeah. but how much fun was it to be on College Hill being an athlete sure. and uh, that that area of campus is one of my favorites? Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I mean, you had, because we ate at the training table, which is, you know, when we were the only athletes when we ate there, it was different. You know, they don't do that anymore, um, which was just across the parking lot. And then you walk down to all your classes. Um, so it was, it was a really good atmosphere. Um but yeah, I guess they finally figure out it's good not to have the football players eating together and staying in the same place. They kind of went full circle on that. And now they spread everybody out, but really good times there. Then we moved to Scott and we moved and had the AC was, was awesome. I think we only had two floors at AC and the rest didn't. Everybody was a little jealous, but it worked out. Uh, that, that was the, uh, I guess that was kind of the, the glory days, if you will, <laughs> of downtown with the attic. Oh yeah. And, uh, some of the other places. Uh, what are your memories of, of downtown and specifically the attic, Did you see any good bands there back in the day? I wasn't really a music guy. I think the Black Crows were down there. Um, went yeah. to the Elbow, went to Bogies, turned into Bogies, and that what now I guess is Sub Dogs was another little place we'd hang out there before. Then I can't remember what it was. And I was a convenience store slash eating stop shop. Yeah, maybe it's stop shop. There you go. Um, yeah. it was good times. We had the big uh, in '87. We played Miami on Halloween, and it was. Crazy down there. There's probably a hundred thousand people downtown. Um, it was just yeah, a good time. Like I said, we 
um, just starting the foundation of the football team, you know, like starting to get a little better recruits, starting to have a little success. And, you know, we beat Virginia Tech, I think, in 87 up there, up at their place. And, um, you know, we started to get a little traction, I thought. Now, you, 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 you were going out as Bill Lewis was coming in, and you talked about that. Well, he was, yeah, my, yeah. So, so Bill Lewis came in my senior year. It was funny. Um, actually, I was on the committee for the new coach with Dave Hart and um, and then actually we were trying to get Gilbride because he just left, you know, he was from Canada, you know, Gilbride went on to be the, win the Super Bowl with the Giants as offensive coordinator, then was with uh, San Diego head coach before he had the Ryan Leaf debacle. But, you know, I, I knew he was, uh, he was ahead of his time, offensive genius, uh, but they went with defense. They won the defense with Bill Lewis. And it was funny. I go back to my dorm room and my roommate was Rob Imperato and he said, you know, that was before cell phones, obviously. And he said, uh, Bill Lewis wants you to give him a call. I was like, what? And he was like, I said, you're kidding, man. He said, no, nah, he wants you to give you a call. So I called him and he just wanted me to spread the word about when he'd be there and stuff. And actually they, uh, Dean Buckin, he was over our sports information department. I actually did a live interview, uh, there in front of Menji's and they were like, you know, Grant, we don't usually go live. Uh, you could be able to handle it. And I was like, yeah, uh, I think I can handle it. So it was kind of interesting. Now, did you, I mean, I, I guess the answer is going to, there's no way you could have known, uh, but did you have any idea that uh, it's just a couple of years that Coach Lewis and that staff was going to have the success they had with the Peach Bowl? Could you could you sense that there was a, a wind of change coming when, when he got here? I mean, Art Baker was a great Guy, great person. I think Bill Lewis brought just a little more discipline. And obviously you, you named all those good coaches. That didn't, that didn't hurt either. Um, but I knew deep down, you know, he was mad that he didn't get the Georgia job. I guess they gave it to Brad Scott, if I'm correct. And I think that was just one of his big push to go back to Georgia Tech. He wanted to be Georgia. <laughs> but, um, yeah, but he was a great individual as well. We had good coaches and, you know, you always think you want people to stay there. Don't use that stepping stone. And I think we were getting to that point here a few years ago. I just think we need to get back there that we can lock somebody in, you know, five, ten years when we get somebody we like. Well, the thing is, when we get somebody that don't want to use it as a stepping stone, Steve Logan, Ruffin McNeil, we run them off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> players were pretty upset when Ruff got let go. Uh, I guess that's that one AD. He's not here anymore. But a lot of people, players kind of – didn't come back while they were mad because I mean rough. Well, we had a six and zero record against the ACC and South Carolina Virginia Tech, and you know he just wouldn't do some things they wanted to, and they let him go. And I, I think we learned a lesson. We did. Oh, and yeah, you're right, uh, Mr. Comfer is uh, no longer here. Unfortunately, the university still paying him about twenty thousand dollars a month to buy out a contract that should have never been signed. I say, don't pay him a damn thing. Make him sue us. All right, and sue me. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> uh, for me personally, the fact that the last athletic director doesn't have his career anymore says a lot when um, people underestimate Pirate Nation and they come in and they don't um, sometimes they don't realize like how great we are and how great our fans are, how great the players are. Just for your perfect example of a guy, and there's a lot of men and women that play sports for East Carolina that care so much about the program. It's not about me. It's so great when these guys, the men and women, go back to those programs like football, for example, and you care so much about it and you love it so much. It's not like you had your time and you don't care about it anymore. Oh, yeah. 
I've got, I probably get more excited for big games now than I did when I played, uh, especially once we, but once we got the respect of the ACC, you know, that felt good. Um, you know, we were on the map. We'd always have a few, you know, good years. I guess we went to bowl like eight years in a row. Then we had a little down year and then we got back up. So, I mean, just the stadium alone, you know, we, while I was there, we had the two sides, no, you know, it was grass around there. I mean, it's, it's big time now where it's, uh, you know, we usually lead pretty much lead the, uh, state in attendance, you know, I, like I said, I think we're, like I said, we're pointing upward and I think we'll get there shortly. A couple of things I wanted to ask you, Grant, um, going back to the training table, I know you mentioned that. And that's something that we're actually getting back to the last couple of years. Scotty Montgomery um, certainly preached it. And then um, Coach Houston knew it was a necessity. And so they've had a kind of a makeshift training table, not an actual dining facility um, like we'll hopefully right. have in the future. But I remember a feature that the coaches show, uh, the Bill Lewis show had on you in 1989. You were talking about gaining the weight and i remember how many calories was it you were taking in a day uh they had that special feature with brian bailey yeah that was pretty funny yeah i mean i was i played about 275 but i always try to keep my weight up and it was hard it's not definitely not as hard today that's for sure but um yeah we'd eat i mean i'd eat thanksgiving every meal uh, breakfast and lunch <laughs> try to keep the weight on and you know, but now with all the drinks and all the stuff you know, now a lot of them, I know they have them actually near the practice field and people eat there. And, you know, that's definitely the, the we didn't really know that much about uh, the diet, diet in. I think they know a lot now. Well, it's funny, you know, we had all cotton. You know, I'd love to just play where I didn't have my undershorts and my shirt. Once it got wet, it stayed wet. And I just had to fight through it. Now they got all that stuff, you know, 12. We had two uniforms of white and purple. Now they got like 27 uniforms and all the under <laughs> stuff that, if you sweat, it doesn't get all nasty. So, yeah, it's come a long way, but it's I'm sure it's, it's awesome, even more awesome to be a pirate now than it was back then. Bubba. Hey, wait, wait, wait yeah. a minute. Hold on, Bubba. Yeah. How in the hell did you remember that segment from the Bill Lewis show in 1989 when you were eight years old? <laughs> because I'm sick, Kyle. I told you that. <laughs> he, yeah, he's still recovering, I think that was on the when we played the Cincinnati. It's, you can actually YouTube the Bill Lewis show, and it's on there. Oh, okay. okay, so you're blowing his cover. It's on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Kyle, honestly, I, and you you know me for two plus years now, and you've heard me spit out enough pirate stuff. Yes, it is on YouTube, and and I have seen it, but that's something I actually recalled anyway. Don't ask me why, but I, I recalled it. And Grant, before I get to my next question, uh, Kevin Mills, one of our viewers, chimes in with. He said, what's up, Grant? I know you from when you dated my friend, Jim Holly, or I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. And uh, he said, I actually wore your number due to the impression you made on me. Oh, that's cool. Wow. I do. I remember. That's but, Yeah. Uh, by the way, Grant, we actually have uh, Bubba at a 12-step program to help him out with all the these uh, things he remembers. Maybe he shouldn't remember. But uh, certainly, as far as the calories are concerned, um, do you think uh, now, because I know, uh, Bubba, wasn't it Big Ed Watkins, a friend of our show, that that said that <laughs> Bubba's head is full of useless yeah, trivia? Yeah, thank That's you, Kevin. Uh, <laughs> I, I, love you, I love you too, Kevin. <laughs> but I think it was Big Ed Watkins. He said his idea of a training table back in the day was Chick-fil-A. Wasn't that right, right Bubba? Yeah, Ch uh, obviously Big Ed's in here in the Charlotte area now, and I've talked to him a couple times at the Pirate Armada and and he was saying, ah, I mean, he knows we need it, but at the same time, it was fun to act like we don't. He said, 
He said back in the mid nineties, we were winning eight and nine games on Chick Fil A. Yeah, I think they went from the training table we had, then they would let them eat at all the different places on campus to make it a little easier. Because back in the day, you'd have to walk all the way back to eat, even if you had class. You know that because that's the only place that was obviously you didn't have to pay. But uh, <laughs> now, like I said, it's come a long way. But the other question I had for you, uh, kind of piggybacking off what the guys were asking you as far as seeing that 1991 season coming in 89 and 90, uh, we had won five games each of those two years, but we had near misses. Uh, you talk about Ray Goff getting that Georgia job instead of Bill Lewis. Um, we went down there in 1990 and lost to those guys in a heartbreaker, like 20 to 15 or something weird. And yeah. then uh, in, in 89, when you were still playing, uh, we went up to Pittsburgh and Syracuse and oh, lost yeah. heartbreakers on the road to, to ranked teams. Yeah, I remember uh, we lost that on a field goal to Syracuse. We played them tough. They had a good team. And, you know, Pittsburgh was a wild game. I mean, it started off sunny, then it blizzarded, and then it got back sunny again. But I remember we had the ball. We, was it like 47, 43? We had the ball on our final drive. We're getting down there. It was funny because they threw a pass to Walter Wilson. He got behind the guy. And I remember running behind Walter. I was telling him to pitch it, pitch it back to me. I can score. We did not score, but didn't end up scoring. Yeah, that was it was a great, it was a good game. Like both those games, we definitely could have won. We were very close. Wow. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I thought you were finished, but uh, my parents and I were actually at that game and that pass there at the, the very end. I remember it being completed. And I want to, Jeff Blake came in that game. I don't know, I'm trying to remember if Travis Hunter got hurt or what, but we had jumped out to that 21 nothing lead. And then, like you said, had the ball there late and completed the pass down inside the five yard line. Yeah. I just remember running down there and I didn't, I couldn't know if anybody was behind me or not, but, uh, it was funny because the, ne the next day they were cussing us out in the offensive meeting. I was like, we did score 43 points, didn't we? <laughs> Better be a little loud for the defensive meeting. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's true. As far as uh, Pirate fans and Pirate Nation with the tailgating, and uh, can you talk about maybe some things? It seems like to me that that has always been strong. It's uh, something that I'm very proud to be a Pirate, and one of the reasons is that the fan base is so great. Yeah, obviously I didn't get to tailgate when I played, but I right. definitely made up for it now. Um, I know. <laughs> I try to get there early, and a buddy of mine, Wade Perry, we get together who played and uh, we get obviously for Letterman's weekend, we get all the guys together, Carl Carney, um, we get together and it's, it's just, you make a day of it and it's a, uh, it's good, wholesome atmosphere. But I always like going to like, I guess we played Duke a couple of times here in the past 20 years and we would go there and uh, you know, there'd be a lot more Duke people. Yeah, I mean, a lot more ECU people tailgating than Duke people. They're like, look at you like you're aliens or something. Uh, Art Baker is a good Johnny. Johnny says Art Baker is a great man. If you remember, I think it was '88. Travis Hunter was really moving um, us versus Miami. Then we seemed to just abandon it. Was it scripted plays, and then hard to make adjustments from that point? You know, I think we should have let Travis be Travis a little more. And I think as the year went out, I mean, at Pittsburgh, I think he threw four touchdown passes, if I remember correctly. And I think most of them were to. Uh, to uh, Walter Wilson and maybe one to Luke Fisher. But Travis, it seemed like it, they didn't – they obviously knew he was athletic and run. They, I think they held him back just a hair. I think if we'd opened up a little more, um, I think we'd have been a little more successful. But he was a great athlete. I love being him my quarterback because, you know, it was if they got by me, they still had trouble catching him. 
But I think my senior was when they put Blake in just for like three plays and that cost him a year. You know, he could have had another year if it wasn't for that. Cause we oh. had, we had, um, um, Travis and we had Charlie Libretto and, uh, the guy from Somerville, South Carolina, Brad Walsh as well. So by the uh, way, Grant, uh, Mike Radford, who we're going to have on, uh, Thursday night for the ECU wrestling uh, special we have coming up. He said, right. when you're born of Gary Rosenbaum, anybody, Will be full of ECU stuff. <laughs> and Gary is uh, Bubba's dad, so. <laughs> oh, okay. And uh, here's another one. Um, that was uh, we did play them in 1990. Didn't ECU play on the road in Athens at Georgia? And that I was think- the year. That was the year after you. Um, that was your first year graduated, right? 1990. Yeah, actually, I GA'd that year. Actually, okay. I went out and scouted them with some GAs. Uh, actually, I think that's the game that put George Coons on the map and got him drafted and stuff because my senior year he was you know just one of the guys but then he really blossomed that next year and ended up making him a lot of money so talk about you you said you ga the 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 one or two years uh what what did you what what, what's life been what has life been after football we know you've been in law enforcement so tell us about uh life the last uh 30 years or so yeah just moved back to greensboro i've been coaching i've coached at grimsley high school I coached my sons and um, just uh, then did stuff within the police department, was on the SWAT team, did all that stuff, and just, um, you know, coming back to ECU games and just Panthers. I have Panther season tickets, so I had to sit down and schedule out my Sundays and Saturdays and try to match it up. And um, so just big, big in the community, big in coaching. You know, might possibly try to get back into it when I retire here in April. See if, uh, see if Shankwar needs a little help down there. I might get help him out a little bit, show him some pointers. That's very cool. But, uh, hey, my, wife, my wife, Jacqueline Lowe, she's been a teacher and now she, like I said, she actually enrolled, uh, enrolled in the uh, graduate program. She starts in August. So we've looked at maybe coming back down there, uh, when I retire. We're always looking on Zillow. We love the, a little area right around the stadium, like everybody does. But uh, it'll be an option. See what my oldest son does. Can I park at your house? Uh, sure. We <laughs> yeah. There's one house. If you look on Zillow, right behind the old bell door, bucks. it has a whole ECU room in it. So it's pretty cool. Right. And we're gonna get hey, you two hundred. Now, Grant, um, before you GA'd, I may be mistaken on this, uh, but did did you get an opportunity with the Redskins or someone as a free agent? I had an agent and. Um, that was the year they cut down the number of people in camp. And I, th- I think they thought I was would get drafted late, you know, sixth or seventh round. They only had you know, six or seven rounds in. Now I didn't get drafted. I think my agent was a little bummed. And then they, and he called and said, okay, we got a, a free agent with the Washington Redskins. I was like, all right, just give me a chance. And I'm, you know, if it is, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And then that fell through and I kind of got out a little bit. But then when the USFL started, I guess they had the Raleigh team. The, the Skyhawks, if you remember them for a year, and I actually went down there to try out for that, for them. And they said, if you get a physical, you need to go and get a passport because you could actually be played in Germany. So I ended up getting a physical. So I thought I was going to do that, and then never heard anything back from them. So wow. that was kind of it. Now you mean you mean the world, world football, football league. league? That's right. Sorry, my fault. Yeah. The world football. Yeah, they only last thing, year, maybe two. The cool thing about that, what well, that uh, certainly. Uh, I remember about that league is they had that, it was like a lipstick camera. They called it the quarterback cam. 
Right. That was an interesting uh, view that you had of the court. You could see the, the field as if you were the quarterback. That was really neat. I, I did like that. That was my favorite part about the league. That's probably why it doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, I think some of the new league that would have won this past year, the AFL kind of took some of their stuff from there. It was pretty neat in the XFL, all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the biggest problems in these leagues that they they have two problems, to my opinion, why they don't work. One, they always do it in the winter. I think if a league would start up like they, like you mentioned the USFL, when they had success, they ran during the summer. Summer, yeah. And I think that's when people are hungry for football. And two, quit with the gimmicks. People people want to watch football like they're used to watching football. I you know, yeah. I think if you just play straight ahead football, shoot it like college and the NFL does and put it during the summer, I think there would be an opportunity to have a successful pro league outside of the NFL. Yeah, I mean, if you're a football fan, you know, sometimes that's your number one sport. You'll have other sports you like, but that's the number one, and you'll watch it, you know, as long as it's competitive and you have, you know, it's old-school football, I think people it could be a success. Yeah. All right, we have uh, Kevin Mills on YouTube. Thank you, Kevin. He said, thanks, Grants, for your service to the community on the police department. We need that thin blue line, Joshua 1-9, of course, from the Bible. So I want to put that up there for you. Appreciate it, Kevin. Yeah, it's been like this. I'll have 28 and a half years. I'll have a year and a half of sick time. But it's definitely a, a calling, And but uh, it's time to hand it over to somebody else. I had a question uh, as far as uh, – as far as the SWAT team, do you have any uh, interesting stories there that you could share uh, with us? <laughs> yeah, we don't have – I got many stories. But, uh, yeah, we did a bunch of drug raids. You know, I was the one. I was on the breach team. I'd hit the door with the ram. I probably hit over 100 doors. Wow. Then I was a gas man. I would throw the flashbangs and shoot the gas um, and try to get the bad guys out. But very a lot of training, a lot of good guys. I did that for 10 years, and it was definitely a young man's game. I passed it on to the younger guys, but definitely some good training. I didn't – I wasn't in the military or anything, so I learned a lot about tactics and training and stuff. So it was definitely a great experience. Is heroin still a, a bigger problem as, as it was a couple of years ago in, uh, in the Greensboro area? Yeah, it's probably – I mean, it's pretty much, I think, taken over. I think crack's gone down to third behind heroin and meth. We see that wow. more. Um and we have many overdoses every day, and but you know a lot of people have the Narcan now, and yeah. so they'll do it and then they'll Narcan, get the Narcan and come back. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely it's, it's a problem, and it it affects anybody who messes with it. So it's, you, you can get that Narcan free, can't you? Yeah, I think uh, some places will give it out. Maybe some of the drug centers, and then we officers carry it on their person as well. So. And the thing about heroin, we're getting on a drug rant here, and you know this, dealing with SWAT, but people that don't know, the reason people OD on heroin is every time you take it, the high gets less and less, and they call it chasing the dragon. They're trying to get back to that first high, and they're never able to replicate it, and they just keep taking more and more until they OD. Yeah. It, like I said, it's uh, it's it's nasty. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, to be honest. Bag is uh, so dirt cheap, right? Right. Yeah, you can get ten dollar baggies, you know, and a lot. Some of it, I know, the opioids. People get injuries and stuff, and that does happen. I'd say probably twenty five percent. You know, then they can't get the pills anymore, so they still are addicted to it, and they go that way. 
Um, so that does affect somewhat. That's going to be, a, let's talk uh, positive stuff. Uh, okay. I know you mentioned a little bit. <laughs> no, uh, I, we appreciate your service and uh, anybody that's in uniform. Um, we appreciate you very much for all that you've done for, for Greensboro and uh, the triad area. Let's talk about Mike Houston. I know you and I talked before we started uh, 50 Pirates in 50 Days. If you're just joining us, we'll be doing this uh, up until the kickoff against Marshall. Hopefully August 29th, we'll keep our fingers crossed. But until I hear different, I'm going to say that. Uh, Grant, uh, let's talk about Mike Houston. I want to get your thoughts on him. Obviously, we talked about Shank. We have Donnie Kay. We've got the, you know, like that. And uh, we, we, the three guys on this podcast, until we see things differently, we love the guy. Uh, we love Mike Houston. We love, we loved him before he came to East Carolina. So we're just tickled to have, to have him. Uh, when you had that, you were talking about the climb with, uh, we had Art Baker and then, of course, uh, Bill Lewis. Do you feel like we're climbing now with Mike Houston? Almost oh, definitely. I haven't met him personally, but I remember being at, he was from James Madison, correct? Is that, I remember when they came to ECU, I guess it's 17. 17. And I looked at that team and I was like, that team looks like the division one team. And the other team, I was like, something, they look like the, the, the higher the class team just on their size and their players. I was like, they got some studs on that team. So right then, and that's kind of where I saw his name, and then I knew all the success he had at uh, James Madison. So like I said, I think we're uh, ticking up, and you know this year's kind of going to be interesting. But like you said, in 21, we were real young. Um, it's funny because well, one of my roommates, Bobby Winstead, his son's on the team, Peyton, uh, my good friend Stafford Moser, his son's on the team, and then he married Ricky Prohl's sister, and their son's on the team as well. Um, so I know a lot of guys. So, um, like I said, I just think we're going in the right direction. I actually get on the, I was over the track the other day in High Point that Nolan Johnson was out there working out, met him, seemed like a good kid. He was working hard. So uh, as we speak, uh, the wide receiver Troy Lewis commits to East Carolina. So, um, that's another big pickup for, uh, the 21 class. I just saw that on my phone. So. I was going to ask you that very thing about recruiting Europe, um, being a high school coach. How well do you think this, I know I'm putting you on the spot, but being a high school coach, how well do you think Mike Houston and the staff's doing recruiting wise? I think very good. I think, you know, I don't keep up too much on recruiting when they sign. Uh, I look at all the, their stuff and, you know, it's the high school is very, uh, it's hard because you get some guys that's the top names, but they've already, they've already reached their plateau. You know, I was one that actually matured a little later and you get those guys that actually, uh, mature later and actually end up being better than the main guys. I mean, you, you look at that all American national parade team, half those guys don't end up even playing. They get there and they're, you know, they peak so early. So that's part of recruiting, judging talent, um, is obviously huge. And I think now with, you know, the way you can see people on film and everybody's doing all these films, you know, you can find some definitely some diamonds in the rough. Bubba, did you have a question? No, that's what I – earlier I was just going to chime in when you mentioned that about the most recent commitment. Uh, that was – that's our sixth commitment now for the 2021 class. Yeah, I want to thank our good friend Stephen Igo. I usually do that when I forgot to. So, Stephen Igo, thank you uh, for that from hoistacolors.net. Does a great job and uh, definitely follows the program. He follows recruiting. 
extremely close. And uh, one of the reasons why I'm following recruiting now is because of uh, being a member of that site of hoistthecolors.net. So I want to give him uh, credit for that. I, I didn't think about to give him credit. So, Stephen, that's for you. Uh, Grant, uh, as far as retirement is concerned, I know you talked about uh, going back into football, maybe full time. Uh, do you have any other things that you want to do as maybe hobbies or different things outside of uh, football? I just love the beach. We talked about getting some friends of mine and sharing a beach house together. Um, not much really on hobbies now, just trying to, trying to keep moving, keep, get on the track, walk some. I saw Shank said he walks four miles a day. So I've, I've tried to do about the same, just get it up, get it over with in the morning, you know, keep, keep everything going good. But, uh, just looking forward to, to my oldest son's getting into it and following him around. As far one thing I failed to mention, I thought about earlier and then didn't ask you, uh, high school football. Do you see that happening this year? I know that the governor, um, not to be Debbie Downer, the governor from South Carolina, um, said there's not going to be football if things continue the way they go. And rightfully so, the way things are just threatening people to make them wear masks. So. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that that's, that's scary to think about. No high school or college football in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto state. Uh, that's kind of scary, but do you think we'll have football, uh, here? It, it won't be that long. It's just around the corner. Yeah. They usually report uh, August 1st, if I'm remember, and Grimsley's going to have an outstanding team. They, uh, lost by one point to the state champs East Forsyth twice. And, um, I'm hearing their team's going to be even better this year. So, you know, I don't know. It's th- these next three weeks are going to be big. You know, do you push it out the season later? It, you know, it's going to be some hard choices. And I think with high school football, that's probably more even than college and pro. I mean, if you don't have football, I mean, that pays for almost all the other sports combined. So, I mean, there's, it's, it's been a lot of tough choices. You know, like I said, I think the next month is going to be big. You're, you're right about that. We need to get maybe, uh, Errol Robinson, a former, he was a former, uh, of course, coaching at, um, at, at, uh, ECU with the high school relations, but he was the football coach at Williamson High. And of course, he's a Washington native, but he was the AD there. And I'll never forget him talking about, I mean, there were thousands of people that would go to the high school football game. And back then in the eighties, it was like maybe $5 a piece. Yeah, but I yeah. mean, you can think about even at $5 a piece that you get several thousand people, three, 4,000, um, standing room only, if you will. And that was even before the playoffs. And then when the playoffs happened, uh, we'd have the first or second round there in Williamston. And it was unbelievable the number of cars, the number of people that are at that game. And as much as we love other sports, we know in high school, um, that's where the dollars are. Almost definitely. Um, uh, my good friend Stuart Albright, he played at Duke and he's a judge now. We keep in touch. And he's actually his brother, Ethan, who played at Carolina, who played for the Redskins and Buffalo and he's actually the AD back at Grimsley now and they've done a great job. And I know, I know they're all, everybody wants to play. It's like, it's going to be interesting. I think that's something, would you be in favor of um, having high school football? Is there any way possible to have that in the spring? I haven't heard anybody talk about that, but I've heard, I don't, it's going to be, dip, that would be difficult to do. I would think. Yeah. Logistically, I think with, since you got basketball, you know, had the football players play basketball, you got other sports. It'd be tough. I mean, could you start it in October? Maybe cut it down to eight games instead of 14 and possibly, you know, like I said, it's a, it's, it's a lot of moving parts. 
about. The kids would be fine. The kids, yeah, I'd be more, I'd be more worried about the fans in the stands than than, than 17, 16, right. 15 year old teenagers playing ball. They're, if they get sick, it, it'll be about like having a a runny nose to to most of them. I mean, right, yeah. play ball, boys. <laughs> well, certainly we could make it through the next six months or so with this COVID thing. Eventually, we'll have the vaccine where that we won't have to. Hopefully, we won't have to worry about um, that anymore. Grant, uh, thank you, man, so much for coming on tonight. Uh, certainly, how can people? Uh, I know Pirate fans love to when we have former players on uh, to catch up with you and find out what you're up to. How can people keep up with you as far as social media and, and the like? Uh, Facebook is about my extent. <laughs> I don't do the Twitter or all the other stuff. Uh, but yeah, I, I look at my Facebook pretty much regularly. But, uh, like I said, come down to the ECU games. You'll see me. Um, like I said, uh, like I said, all the guys will get together. I big Robert Alexander who passed 10 years ago. He was always big. You know, he, I guess he coached at Rose and he always had people. Like you had people coming back, Billy Michelle, Chad Martin. You know, we all, have a couple of text chains we get together and talk and uh, try to get up. So, yeah, nothing better than being uh, in Grievo on a Saturday afternoon watching football. And uh, we definitely will one way or another. We're going to have, I don't know about the fall. We'll have it soon. Uh, and then football, hopefully we can uh, do that for sure. Grant, thank you so much for being a part. You're our very first one for 50 Pirates in 50 days. I and I uh, look, look forward to having you back on real soon, especially in football season. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, Grant. Thank you. Grant Lowe, of course, uh, very special guys. And, uh, Grant, we'll see you very, very, uh, soon, uh, no doubt. Guys, uh, very interesting, uh, to have him. And, uh, I know it's going to be a lot of fun when we have, uh, when we can talk about a football season. It still seems like that, uh, with this COVID thing has been going on for so long now that it would definitely be, uh, nice not to have to ever talk about it again. Yeah, it sure would be, Dave. Um, I, uh, I'm hoping the numbers start dropping, man. I, I do think people do need to keep an eye on those mortality numbers that keep getting better and better. And hopefully that will continue. And if we can just get the numbers to start dropping, uh, we'll see if the masks are as effective as people say, because I see a lot more people wearing masks now. And, um, hopefully that'll be the case and numbers drop enough. I'm assuming we're going to have to make a call on the season. You know, all the colleges are practicing as if they're going to play. Um, so I'm assuming that they may can string it out all the way up to, to make a call on the season. But uh, it needs to be, you know, we, we need football, and hopefully it'll happen. I, I hope. Even if even if you can't be in attendance initially, uh, I'd be happy to watch it on TV. Oh, no question about it. Uh, Bubba, uh, as far as the – when you look at the, you, you were the one that talked about 25%. Um, and I've, I've jokingly told you guys off the air, wouldn't it be funny, ironic, not funny, haha, but ironic, the very fact that what if this is a big season for the Pirates, meaning when I don't mean 12 and 0, I'm talking about just making a bowl, winning six games and not having fans be able to see, um, not only all the fans, um, uh, but this case, if we had starting out the season for a few weeks with 25%. Certainly wouldn't be ideal, but I mean, obviously it beats the alternative. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously you want the Pirates to be successful. I mean, sure you would rather it be in front of forty or fifty thousand, but if it's in front of 
if it's in front of 12 and a half or 13,000, or maybe at some point 25,000, hey, great. Um, the Pirates are getting better. So once the COVID-19 pandemic is uh, over and we can have a higher capacity, then we'll be drawing like Pirate football is used to drawing um, for uh, up to about, I guess, what, 2016 or so. No doubt about it. You know, if that, if, hey, Kyle, if, uh, if this is what, if, if it takes me staying home, for the Pirates to win, I'll stay home every game. I've got a big screen like you do. I've got a big screen TV. I'll stay home and watch the games or listen to our good friend Jeff Charles and Marty Fuhrer and Kevin Monroe and and uh, our good buddy too as well, David Horn. If that's what it takes to have the TV on and have the radio uh, on as well like I do, uh, that's what we'll do. Yeah. I mean, if, if we can't go to the games, we can't go to the games. We'll see what happens. I just hope there is football. I know a lot of other people feel that way, and uh, time will tell. Um, I think there's a reason no announcement's been made formally yet. They're going to stretch it out as long as they can with the hopes of playing. I can guarantee you, though, if we don't play it in the fall, we're going to play it in the spring. Uh, we will not yeah. go down the year without playing football. Can't, can't, can't afford to. That was what I was going. That was my next question: is the very fact that uh, when you look at how many dollars that here's an interesting thing I was thinking about too is that obviously I want the football team to be playing in the fall. There's just something that would be weird not having football. But if you have the spring, if you have the spring season, if you will, and you could have 50,000 people or you could have a lot more fans, are we better off to wait to the spring? I mean, financially, maybe. But in terms still of still roll the dice. In terms of people's sanity, no, we need to go ahead and play if we can. Right. Um, but in terms of financially, maybe, yeah. It's something I've been thinking about, but I, I don't want it to happen. But if um, that would be one, if that's maybe that's one of the saving graces for our program is the fact that um, that we would have the team play in the spring, and by then, most likely, guys, we would have a vaccine, which means more people that are older, specifically, that are scared to come out right now, they'd be more willing to come out if there's a vaccine where the chances of them uh, not getting or getting COVID rather would be less and less. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping for the fall still, but, uh, I guess if you have to find a silver line and if we play it in the spring and there's a vaccine by the end, then yeah, you could, you could have bigger crowds. No doubt. Hey, Bubba, yeah, go ahead. I just, I had a little bit more about Troy Lewis. Um, the most recent okay. commitment for the 2021 class, like I said, the sixth commitment for the 21 class out of Chesterfield, Virginia. So the same high school, um, as Jacob Coleman, the, um, the, who just committed in the last couple of days um, prior to that, uh, or, or along with that, with Jacob Coleman, last year you had preferred walk-on Jonathan Coleman. So this is three players now from that one high school. Uh, Troy Lewis, 6'3", 195 receiver, had close to 30 offers, um, like so many of these commitments have, and uh, also signees from this previous class, this year's class, um, the, and they have – multiple academies, if not all three academies, Army, Navy, and Air Force, which just shows you some of the character and academic um, excellence that these guys have. And in addition to that, uh, he had offers from from uh, Charlotte, Coastal Carolina, uh, Western Michigan, and, and some others. But um, ex- seems like an excellent addition for sure. Haven't had the opportunity to watch the film yet since this obviously just broke. But um, welcome to Troy Lewis, and hopefully he'll end up signing in December. 
no question about it. And again, guys, it's going to be, that's another thing Kyle, you brought up. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out with the early signing day. I guess it is. I, I wish we could go back to, I know, um, Kyle, you talked about it before. I love the, the uh, signing day in February. Um, I wish that we could go back to that, but I know that coach Houston has talked about the very fact that, um, it's kind of like you go ahead and you push things up a little bit, but then you're more ahead as far as uh, having your signing class intact. And then you can kind of move on to, I guess, more of, uh, more of getting ready playing for uh, spring uh, football. Well, I'll, I'll say this. The reason I like the old signing days because it gives you something to look forward to football-wise in February. But I'll say this to a positive early signing day. The first couple, it seems to help us not lose uh, recruits last minute. Uh, it seemed to, back during the old signing day, as your primary signing day in February, we would always lose a guy or two the last day, and that seems to have uh, uh, dissipated, at least initially, these first couple early signing days. No question about it. It's going to be fun to see. Um, we're seeing right now, not fun to see. We're already seeing right now Mike Houston building this program. And, guys, I can't wait when you when you have a guy like Grant Lowe on, a, a guy that worked really hard, and he saw the program after him. And I think there's a lot of guys that are in the same boat, that they're building what Mike Houston wants, and they're getting their guys. You hate to hear that. It's a cliche, but um, they're getting the guys that they want in. And the guys that don't fall in line of what they want, they're not on the team anymore. And, uh, it's, it's fun to watch the coaching staff that Mike Houston has is tremendous. And if you want an example of that, look at just what we've just talked about with the recruiting that's going on. I tell you, there's, uh, by year four or five of Mike Houston will be very special at East Carolina. I, I really, I've said that from day one. I really believe that. And, um, it'll be nice when people talk about competing for championships. And the reality is by that point, I really believe we will be competing for American uh, athletic championships. Yeah. Peace by peace. Baba, what's the latest for the contest, man? Assuming we push this thing out. Yeah. Yes. um, I was, we need, we have to uh, confer over that, (laughs) but uh, we will confer. But, uh, but speaking of coaching staffs, I know we talked about this. I guess it was on, on, uh, Friday night, maybe, but, uh, Antoine Jackson was officially, uh, named to Joe Dooley's staff today. That broke on ecupirates.com. Uh, he spent last year at Virginia Tech. Prior to that, seven years at Cincinnati also had been at UMass and, uh, William and Mary. So an excellent resume seems like an excellent addition, uh, has some excellent ties to the, uh, Washington DC area that's certainly loaded with talent. Uh, and also Steve Rockefort, who's entering his third year on Coach Dooley's staff, um, was promoted, what, from assistant head coach to associate head coach. So congratulations to Coach Rock, and I'm uh, looking forward to an improvement uh, in East Carolina basketball uh, in 2021. Absolutely. When Coach was on, you remember when we had him on a few weeks back, um, you there was so much uh, people were so worried when Dooley came here about building a staff and Kyle, you were the first time we were on our show talking about the rockstar staff coach chills didn't leave because he was upset with Dooley. He left for personal reasons to be closer to his family, his wife and daughter being a teenager and going back home. So you can't blame the guy for that. And then when you bring in, uh, I mean, he, he has it's like he's reloading um, with a recent hire and then having, I mean, you still have coach rock. You have George right. Easy. Uh, Kenny Pataz, I mean, just the whole, 
uh, Kyle Robinson, just everybody that's at ECU basketball. Um, this, I, I told you guys I'm a basketball fan and having Dooley, it's been the most excited I've been, but about ECU basketball at a, a long, long time. This is year number three for Dooley. And I think guys, um, uh, it's hard to believe we're talking about basketball all the time. Um, but that just speaks volumes of coach Dooley. And I really believe that, um, we'll have some of the coaches on and, uh, certainly former coaches and players on, but I really believe that this is the year to watch out for Dooley this year, and next year, or the two years, uh, for Dooley with the talent level, um, with the recruits are getting in, uh, look out for, uh, potentially, I mean, we're, I think right now with the talent we have, um, we have a chance to be a bubble NIT team. I really do. I think that's our ceiling. I don't think it's NCAA, but I think we have a shot at NIT this year. Um, and I would have never said that in previous years, but I really believe we're getting closer and closer to, Making postseason turn postseason tournaments. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, CBI, maybe NIT. Uh, who knows? But uh, I think we'll be much improved on the hardware this year. Oh, I didn't know Potastic's gone. Oh, I didn't know that. Sorry, Johnny. Well, anyway, you know that was one of those deals, Dave. I mean, that that was I'm pretty sure you know just a situation like Kenwick Thompson. You know, he, he was oh, reassigned, okay. he was reassigned, never to be heard from again. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, you learned something always on, on the podcast and certainly on the show. Thank you, Johnny. Um, uh, that's why we have the smartest, <laughs> we have the smartest viewers and listeners. I didn't, well, I didn't what, realize that. What's Kenan Thompson been doing these last few years, Bubba? Is he, uh, is, uh, he, is he sweeping floors? I mean, what's he doing? It, it, now, as far as the 2020 season, I'm not sure where, uh, he is, but I, I know that uh, after Scotty staff, well, after he was let go from Scotty staff, um, he surfaced at Fresno State in that following season, I guess, what, 2018? I'm not sure um, when Jeff Tedford stepped down. I don't know where Kenwick Thompson is now. It seems like I remember seeing it, but I honestly do not recall off the top of my head. I'll, I'll look that up, and we'll have it on the next show because I know people are just dying to know. You mean Jeff Tedford hired him? What, are they, what are they using for his Gatorade guy or, or what? <laughs> wow. Hey, he was he was just coaching the linebackers. He wa- He wasn't coordinating the defense. Okay. Well, I was going to say, I was going to ask you that very question if he was coordinating. No, yeah, no, that's, that's not, no, no, no. I don't, yeah, I don't he couldn't coordinate a wardrobe. He might have been responsible. You know what? After all this time, thinking of he couldn't coordinate a wardrobe, that son of a bitch may be responsible for Scotty Montgomery wearing a tie with a white pullover. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> yeah. I mean, just from afar, I obviously don't know because I wasn't there every day. But just from afar, that kind of seemed like a situ- situation that that um, like we dealt with in the early, early 2000s before Greg Hudson came in and simplified things, and uh, we started playing a lot better on defense. Do you think it's possible? So, yeah, I know you weren't there, Bob, but do you think it's possible that Kendrick Thompson's the one who's responsible for Scotty Montgomery wearing the tie with the pullover? Hey, you can never say never. Okay, I mean, somebody is responsible for that. I can't believe Scotty's lovely wife, Ebony, didn't say, Scotty, you don't wear a tie with an athletic pullover. It just doesn't look good. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, he sure did. Wow. Um, it, no, it yeah, doesn't look good. David, I, I've ran it on this several times. It must have just missed you. Or maybe it's just yeah. conversations with me and Bubba that. I'm not sure. No, I think, you know, I mean, you could have. Uh, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to forget the Mo years. It's kind of like with Dallas with Bobby when he was white. A white three quarters at pullover, like an athletic three quarters at pullover. Yeah. He'd have it pretty much three quarters of the way of the three quarter way of the pullover unzipped, 
wearing a shirt and tie under it, and it looks so stupid. Anyway, I'm done. Yeah, just wear a whole suit if you're going to do that route. Um, I'm sure that, that uh, Adidas was telling you to wear whatever. But uh, anyway, let's. Uh, we've been here long enough, I think. You're getting close to an hour. Guys, uh, looking forward to, obviously, 50 Pirates in 50 Days. Thank you, Bubba, for uh, Grant Lowe. We've got a lot of great players that are going to be coming up. Uh, before we go on Thursday nights, folks, we got a big show, right, Bubba? Yeah, we do. Um, Thursday night, we'll be talking East Carolina wrestling at 7 p.m. right here on Facebook Live and also YouTube. Um, we'll catch up with John Welburn. Uh, he was the coach for East Carolina wrestling from 67 to 77, I think it was, maybe 67 to 78. Uh, in the program, I believe Mike Radford told me earlier today, because I wasn't sure, and he said the, the program started, I want to say, 64 and went up through 80 or 81. So um, Coach Welburn was there during the heyday, though, uh, w- winning five consecutive SOCON titles. And uh, before we go, one more thing, guys, and uh, we'll drop out of here. Uh, Charlie Daniels passed away today. RIP to the CDB. I saw him uh, several times in concert, and I'm sure you did too, Dave. Um, yes. it, favorite Charlie Daniels songs, guys. I got to go with, uh, if I got to choose one, I got to go with, Probably South's going to do it again, but the legend of Woolly Swamp's right up there. I'm going to go with, um, I, my favorite is Long Hair Country Boy. Um, I just love that one. But I, I love all this stuff. Um, I had a, I'll tell this funny story real quick, guys. Um, then we'll go. Charlie Daniels, I got a chance to interview him and he's one of my music heroes. I was on 98.5, the big dog as people that are, some people watching may know back 2007 to 2010. 2007, that September, there was a, they had run graphics at an amphitheater and it, Gretchen Wilson and Charlie Daniels played. It was an amazing concert. Uh, we had a, a big dog party bus. So we get to the concert. Charlie wanted to meet people. And so we go back to stage and I'm so excited. And he was making over. He said, yeah, you're the guy that interviewed me, right? He said, come back over here. He said, come back here. Um, I want to talk to you. And I went behind the desk and I handed my, and I handed my camera to the guys that were right behind me and they were, they were drunk and they take the picture. And it's the only picture I have with a country star that's blurred of all the pic, all the stars that I had. That was one of my most favorite ones. And I was like, so the moral of the story is don't give a camera to a drunk <laughs> for sure. Uh, but he was so cool to me. And I mean, the greatest feeling in the world is when you have one of your, heroes no matter what it is in life and you have one of your heroes and they treat you great and they make you feel special i'm sure he did that to a lot of folks but he was just a great man a great american um certainly going to be missed i'll tell you one thing there's nobody nobody and i'll stand by this that plays the fiddle better than charlie daniels i'm sorry there's a lot of great people but i i still say that he will always be my favorite fiddle player of all time yeah he played it with a little edge uh bobby your favorite charlie daniels song uh, let's see. I'll go with a, a couple. Either Devil Went Down to Georgia or um, a few more rednecks. And you remember Jamie Ray, who played baseball for the Pirates back in the Randy Maisie and also uh, early Billy Godwin years. Uh, his walk-up song was Few More Rednecks. So. What this world needs is a few more rednecks and people that are afraid <laughs> to take a stand. We need yeah. a little more respect for the Lord and the law and the working man. Absolutely. That that was the, the course uh the part that Jamie Ray had playing, and that certainly resonated with me. A great song. You know, There, I don't think there's such thing as a bad Charlie Daniels song. They were all great, and uh, we're certainly going to miss him. 
Brucker. Uh, he, Brucker Ace. That's another good one. Oh, that's right. From that great movie with Burt Reynolds and Lonnie Anderson. Uh, guys, the, uh, and Charlie was from, for people that don't know, from Wilmington and spent most of his time, obviously, in uh, t- Tennessee. Lebanon, Tennessee. What's that? Mount Juliet, Tennessee. Mount Juliet, that's right. Um, but that's in the uh, Nashville area. But uh, anyway, rest in peace, Charlie. We're going to miss you. Very proud of the fact that they finally put you in the Country Music Hall of Fame a few years ago. And, of course, a grand old Opry member. And he was always in my Hall of Fame, sure, like I'm sure Kyle and uh, Bubba as well. All right, guys. Uh, been a great show. Thanks to Grant Lowe. Thank you so much, Bubba, for this is your brainchild, 50 Pirates in 50 Days. Kyle, you're awesome as always. Thanks, folks. Uh, you're awesome, too. We're watching 50 Pirates in 50 Days, and we're doing it now on this great platform, and that is Facebook Live or the YouTube channel and our YouTube channel, and we'll, of course, release this as well on SoundCloud. And uh, you've been listening to and watching 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. Go Pirates. You've been listening to 50 Pirates in 50 Days on the Sports Objective podcast. Remember, each of these interviews can be seen on our Facebook and YouTube channels or the audio only can be heard exclusively on SoundCloud and Anchor. Wherever you watch and listen to the show, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe. As always, we appreciate you listening to the Sports Objective podcast. Go Pirates.